0: For, it, for us, it does not matter a position on abortion or a position on suicide or a position on euthanasia if our source of authority is anything different than the Scriptures. It, it, furthermore, we can have a foundation upon the Word of God, yet we just say it doesn't apply in this situation. That, too, would be incorrect. So if you bear with me through this, you will learn tonight that the, form, the formation of a biblical worldview, not only is the thing that you are to believe in, but it is the worldview from which you act. Talk about that a little bit more. This week, the, 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 the matters of life and death have been thrust into limelight with the uh, hanging, the suicide of Robin Williams. In recent years, we have been um, inundated with celebrity suicides. Amy Winehouse, a musician, and Corey Monteith, an actor, and in others. Those are just ones that come to mind, but so it's all around us. Um, furthermore, or in the hospital and I cannot remember the situation specific but I was sure about how to prepare for end of life issues medically speaking Um, in 1993 uh, I was on duty uh, with EMS one particular evening and we were dispatched to cardiac event, and at that time, we had, uh, much like is around today, first responders, those who would use a private vehicle, get there first, and try to render any assistance that they could, and uh, on this particular evening, a gentleman uh, had gotten there and was, was doing his job. He called on the radio. We were en route, and he uh, he said, uh, we have a unresponsive Seeking permission to begin CPR. Family claims they have a DNR, but they cannot produce it. What are my instructions? At that time, the DNR meant do not resuscitate. And it's a a legal document that a family can procure uh, for their loved one or an individual can procure for themselves. Uh, problem is with the state of North Carolina in 1993, it had to be presented at the time that an emergency worker was going to respond. It had to be shown to them physically; uh, else, charges of you know, manslaughter things like that, um, and, and other charges could could come about. But if you did not produce it, we had to we had to do what we were trained to do. We called back over the radio, proceed with uh, resuscitative measures, resuscitative measures. We got there, we continued, and um, as it turns out, we saved him. This is what he said at a later visit. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for bringing me back. This man who had a DNR, thank you for saving my life. And uh, if you've ever been in a situation like this, it's a very delicate one. I have been the bed, been by the bedside of church members and family members and watched them expire and dealt with family members and situations regarding what do we do if? A surgeon coming to you and saying, we're about to take your loved one to surgery. If X happens, how would you like for us to proceed? So I I believe that you will find that the Scriptures give us a lot of wisdom on how to handle these types of situations. Furthermore, this happened in the last study that my wife and I participated in, we led. Um, it is not, um, how shall I say, it is not... Uh, It would not be strange should someone listen to a session, we go through the Scriptures, and feel a great deal of guilt or grief of learning that maybe they executed something wrongly. First of all, it is not my intent to make anyone feel that way. My wife and I have our own story that uh, we will uh, will more than likely share with you all regarding in one of these issues that one of the topics that we're going to talk about and when we learned the truth we were grieved deeply but we learned from it and we grew from it and so um, uh, so don't you know don't be afraid to learn and don't be afraid of a situation where out of a lack of knowledge or incorrect knowledge that uh, you could have uh, made a a possibly poor choice. Um, What will we talk about? Tonight is worldview. Here are some of the issues we will examine in later weeks. Next week, we will define physical death. I've got research from physicians from Duke University and Harvard University and other medical studies. What do doctors see as a determination of death? I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to read their studies. How do we define death And what do we make of near-death experiences? Did they truly die? Next week. Over the upcoming weeks, we will talk about issues such as the death penalty. Is it a, a biblical teaching? We will talk about suicide. We will talk about abortion. We will talk about contraception. We will talk about euthanasia. We will also talk about the concept of dying with dignity. Um, I don't have any particular order, but those are the topics. So any questions so far? All right, let's just jump right in then. Question number one, Roman numeral one, what is a worldview and why is it important? Um, when we talk about ethics, we must have a worldview from which our ethics operate. You can, and everybody has a worldview. Even Hitler had a worldview. Saddam Hussein had a worldview. ISIS has a worldview. Christians have a worldview, and there are a lot of worldviews among Christianity. So what is a worldview? Um, Quoting from uh, Believer's Church Bible Commentary from the book of Romans, a worldview is a set of assumptions, assumptions, And perspectives, so assumptions that shape the way that we see and interpret life and reality. We, we talk easily about a, a Western worldview by which we mean a, a view of the world from the perspective of modern and postmodern European and American cultures. In other words, we are used to life a certain way. We are used to a guilt-based society. That is big in, in a Western culture. What do we mean by a guilt-based society? Guilt-based society means... Uh, I, I, something happens, uh, this clipboard, I'm holding a clipboard. I drop the clipboard. I am guilty of dropping the, the clipboard. I kill someone. I can be found guilty of killing someone right now all over the news about the race car driver, Tony Stewart. There could be charges against him in this situation. Again, an instance of life and death. Did he intend to harm that other driver? Did he hit him intentionally? There are all kinds of questions. That's a guilt based. In other uh, uh, countries and continents, Asia, South Asia, when we go to India, they are not guilt based, they are honor based. Guilt does not really compute with them, it's their honor. You don't mess with their honor. Again, I'm holding the clipboard and I am in South Asia. Drop the clipboard. Ah, you dropped the clipboard. No, no, no. No. The clipboard fell because no one was holding it. You're sitting in a chair. The chair breaks and you fall out of the chair. You broke the chair. No. I didn't break the chair. The wood came apart, and then I fell. You see, there is a difference uh, in in our culture and our type of we we are bullet point driven people, aren't we? This handout you have is Roman numerals, A, B, C, D. Right? We're just used to that. We have a a a, a lens by which we view other cultures. An excellent re, uh, resource, a book that you ought to um, uh, a, a book, Christ and Culture Revisited by D.A. Carson. It is a seminary-level book, okay? Um, it's, it's not Sunday school material per se. But his point here is, what determines rightness and wrongness within a culture? If just because we're used to something in America, does that mean because someone else practices something different, does that mean they are wrong? Is it wrong to drive on the left side of the road? In most of the world, no. It's actually, as a matter of fact, we're the oddballs. Driving on the right-hand side is, is really a, a, you know, the minority, We are, matter of fact, as a country, we are. We do not really go by a metric system. I promise you, we are islands in an ocean of the world. When it comes to the, the, you see the metric system everywhere else. You see, well, that's that's their worldview. You see, Uh, D. A. Carson argues that Christ uh, is the determiner of what is ultimately right and wrong within a culture. And so therefore, if, if it goes back to God, and we would argue that that is so true, then we must have a biblical worldview. And it transcends our views of even patriotism. It would transcend our views of economics. It would transcend our views of life and death. In other words, who is ultimately calling the shots? B. B. Every person has a worldview that has been shaped by an assortment of factors, which include, but not limited to, our family history, education, life experiences, spiritual formation. There are things that I do because I was taught uh, them by my family. Not necessarily because they are the best way to do it. But it's just the way I was brought up. Why is a worldview important? Here are some examples. I do not give an exhaustive list. I'm just going to give you three. Number one, it determines my basic view of people. I believe that people are basically bad. Uh, By people, I don't mean every I don't mean people who are not here tonight. I'm talking about you and me. We are basically bad. We were born with a sinful human nature. Our sinful human nature, uh, uh, w- without it being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, it will win out every single time. That is from a biblical worldview. If I did not have a biblical worldview, I may say that well, people are basically good. That at their heart, people people always want to be good and do good and say good things. They just we just all want to get along. It's hogwash. ISIS don't want to get along with you, you know? Um, We're basically bad, all right? Uh, Number two, it determines response patterns. It can determine response patterns. In other words, my worldview, if it's whatever it's based upon, Will, will be heavily influential on in how I respond to something. If it's uh, human trafficking, my heart would go out to that and I would be against that. Um, uh, how I would respond to a personal crisis. How would I respond to a marital crisis? How would I respond to a parental crisis? Sometimes we are torn. Because what if, what if my son, I've often thought about, and maybe you have too, what if my son would have been Adam Lanza? What if that were my son? Do you know who Adam Lanza is? The kid who shot up Sandy Creek? Sandy Hook, excuse me, Sandy Hook. What if that was your child? That's right, you'd have a mixture of guilt you would have you you would have love. I, I hope that there would still be love present for the for the parents of the Columbine shooters. I pray that their parents or would have had and harbored love. But if my son were in trouble with the law, would I love him to the point of sheltering him from the repercussions of the legal system, or do what my father did? When I got a speeding ticket in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 57 in a 35, I came home and reluctantly shared with my dad what happened. He said, son, I don't know how you plan on getting to court that day, but you will not be driving any vehicle in this yard. And he meant it and he honored that. I got there because my dad drove me. Um, he did not shelter me from the ramifications of getting a speeding ticket. So, uh, worldviews determine how do we respond to something. There's that mixture of love and justice that we do. Number three, it determines convictions. Convictions. Okay, it determines convictions. the the movie and and we're studying the life of Martin Luther. He didn't get along with all of his other brothers and sisters in Christ. He didn't get along with other reformers. Remember, I, I shared with you a few weeks ago, they struggled over the Lord's Supper. How do you do the Lord's Supper? And they were schisms. You know, they would separate themselves over that. We have denominational differences over issues like gifts of the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. speaking in tongues we there are and so we take every thought captive Paul admonishes every believer you take it to Christ don't take it to your own ability to reason don't take it to your wit you take it to Christ and you filter it through Christ because that's ultimately where we want obedience to come from not obedience to my not obedience to my ability to 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 um speak uh, eloquently you know about a matter I may be dead wrong well pastor you you use such powerful words yeah but I was denying the deity of Christ so you have to take it to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete now. Let's go back to our handout here. The world has barricaded itself with false philosophies, which sadly have found their way into church life as well. I'm giving you instances from people I have either talked to or questions they have asked. If you really love the person, then it's okay to have sex with them, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with a little white lie, is there? As long as I don't get caught, then what's the big deal? As long as I don't sell the DVD, I can make a copy of it, right? So my question then is, if we make the same excuses as the world would, because the world can justify those four. I mean, let's take number four there. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have a burned copy or a ripped copy of a DVD or CD in your home or in your car. I'm not going to ask you that. I already know the answer. All right question is is it right oh there are copyright laws you are stealing you are stealing so my question then is if we make the same excuses as the world then why do they want why would they ever want our savior that's a really good question because if i'm going to act the same way they act then what am i want to why what am i going to want to save them from Apparently nothing because I'm doing the same thing and I'm claiming I've got the gospel, but everything about my life is the same as yours. Then what I would say to that person trying to proselyte me, well, what are you trying to save me from? (laughs) You know, I mean. You're not going to save me from anything because you're doing the same stuff I'm doing. So I will contend that the battle the church wages against moral behavior is always going to be a lost cause. I know we talk about moral reform in the schools and in church and, and well, well, sometimes in church these groups and, and children's groups, but if all we want, if all we care about is the 10 commandments in the school and prayer back in school and all this, you're, you are fighting a lost cause. And let me give you a good example. Why let me, you want me to tell you why putting the 10 commandments back in school would not solve anything. It didn't solve anything the first time, did it? If that was the answer, then why were the Ten Commandments eventually taken out? Because it wasn't the answer. It wasn't changing anything. Jesus had a lot to say about that. We, 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 we're, we're whitewashed tombs. Did he not say that? We, we, he says, when you wash that cup, do you just wash the outside and not the inside? No, you better wash that inside. doesn't matter how you change someone to act better. Without the cross, it's still a lost cause. So, you know, a lot of times we we do what we are against, right? Um, uh, whether and it's not, you know, I I really do believe, and and, and um, this is my worldview at the at a test here, but but I, I really do believe that there is a small minority of what I would call people who are intentional hypocrites. Um, a lot of times, I, I believe the majority of our mistakes come from. Uh, Evil desires, as James talked about, uh, temptations, etc. In other words, we are not intentionally trying to be a hypocrite or intentionally trying to do harm to the body of Christ or to each other or to ourselves. But sometimes we do what we are against, and that can be problematic. If I do not take my thoughts, every thought captive to Christ. I took that today at, at lunch when I had lunch with a gentleman and um, m- most of you know I'm trying to watch my 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 health and weight, and just you know trying to so I had a choice to make at with the menu they were they were there was a spectrum of really healthy and then not healthy at all and I think I kind of went in the middle <laughs> I hope I did you see but even if I made a mistake I still couldn't justify it Because I'm trying to eat healthy. So why would I want to? to... It leads to number two. Behavioral modification modification changes nothing about God's view of sin. It will still send you to hell. Because it is in your nature. Not the list of things specifically that you've done. John 3.16, everybody quotes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does anyone know what verse 17 says? Anybody want to say it? Anybody anybody want to recite it? The son did not come and... and I'm, I, I like giving my, my interpretation, my interpretive version. For the son of man didn't come to condemn because it's already condemned, but that through him the world might be saved. There's already a condemnation. It's already here. Not because of anything you've done or not done, but we have inherited Adam's sin. We must then be able to articulate not just what we are against, but the biblical alternatives. That is, I would underline that part. For when we talk about the arguments for euthanasia, when we talk about people who claim that they are uh, uh, pro-choice, how do we argue, not, not fight, but how do we articulate a biblical stance to them? And don't just tell them we're against it. They don't fly. They already know that. How can we articulate that to them? Well, in formulating a worldview, we have, uh, number three, four sources of truth. Four sources of truth. Anything that you know in this world is derived from one of these four sources. Maybe more than one, but at least one of these four sources. Number one is experience. Experience. There are some things that we know just because we've been there, done that. Experience. I can drive a car better today, I think, than I did when I was 16 and 17 because I've got more experience behind the wheel. Our insurance rates go down as we get older because of driver experience. So we learn things by experience. Number two is tradition. Tradition. We know therefore, we do because we've always done it that way or it was always done that way. Our parents taught us, who taught them, their parents, who taught them, their parents. It was handed down from generation to generation. Number three, we have reason. Reason. Reason would also include um, a subcategory, the scientific method. The scientific method. That we, we learn by um, a kind of blend. Scientific method is kind of a blend of the experience with the reason. In other words, I am able to think, process what I have observed or heard. And then respond based upon that. I've got reason. I, I can think. I'm, I'm glad that God made us thinking individuals. People who can, uh, who can use our minds. The last one, Scripture. Okay. If we were to put them in any type of order, would we have any difficulty with ranking them from most important to, um, and then go from there? Uh, I don't think we would, but let's just try it and see. Um, what is the most, what would be the primary um, uh, the, the, the primary, the the, the the most important source of truth. What would it be? Scripture. Y'all did good. So we'll leave that right there. I've, I left it on the board. We'll just put a number one beside it. What would be number two then? Experience. Tradition. Anybody else? Experience. Tradition. Reason. Which one? Let's vote. Let's vote. Let's just do it democratically here. All those. All right. For letter B or letter A, experience. Anybody letter A? Okay. Uh, B, tradition. Anybody for B? C, reason. I think I think experience was the the primary. So we'll, we'll put it in number two. All right, number number three. Would it be um, we got two left? Tradition and reason. What would be the next one? <laughs> reason, reason. All those in favor of reason, hands down. All those in favor of tradition. All right, reason, and then. Okay. All right. So the scripture gives a mandate. Number one, Scripture gives a mandate. Um, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Experience, reason, or tradition will not change that thou shalt not. I, I just don't think anything would, would come to mind. Okay. What's interesting in the King James, the Ten Commandments there, it says thou shalt not kill. So thou shalt not kill. God called his people to war and to kill, to wipe out an entire man. So does that mean that commandment was wrong? Did God make a mistake? He said thou shalt not kill and then he told his people to go kill. So what's the deal?